Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. David says... God delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me. He goes on in verse 21. Rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. David says, I've kept the ways of the Lord and have not departed from the ways of my God. Now, we all know our Bibles, and we know that David didn't keep the ways of the Lord. He did not. When we look at David's life, we see Lie after lie, lie after lie. We see murder. We see adultery. We see deceitfulness. We see all kinds of sin. If you want to do a study on the sin nature, just look at David. And David says, the reason I was delivered from my enemies is because God has rewarded me. Watch this. For my righteousness, I have kept the ways of the Lord. David says, my hands are clean. My heart is right. And God has rewarded me. Now, David, how can you say that? I believe David understood something that we all need to understand. What's that, Pastor? We all need to understand that our righteousness is not based on what we have done, but what he has done. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And because David was a man after God's own heart, David was a humble man. David was humble before the Lord. I think of Psalm 38 and Psalm 51. Matter of fact, just turn to Psalm 51. Let's just look at that real quick. Psalm 51. We're talking about David's heart. We're talking about his humility before God. And why was David a man after God's own heart? Because David was a man who would say, God, forgive me. It wasn't about him being perfect. That's why he could say, I have kept your ways. I have kept the ways of the Lord. My hands are clean. My heart is right. And God has rewarded me. He could say that because of his repentant heart, right? Look at verse uh, Psalm 51, uh, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, David says, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Psalm 51 is written after David's sin with Bathsheba. Write that in your margins. Matter of fact, it's up in your foreword if, if you have uh, the Bible. I have the holy and anointed version. If you... <laughs> It's right there. And, uh, but it does say that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. David says, blot out my sin. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my sin. Are y'all with me? And my sin is always before me against you and you only. See, all sin is against God. Hmm? Have I sinned and I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin. My mother conceived me. 
Purge me, verse 7, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be what, saints? Make me hear joy and gladness at the bones that you have broken. God brought him to that place of repentance. The bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my transgressions. Verse 10, 11, 9, 10, 11. Highlight that. Underline it. Remember it. Look at verse 7. Purge me with his sup, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken will rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and Lord, don't take your spirit from me. And restore to me. This is a great verse. We could, all be, we could all be praying this, right? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And then I'll teach sinners your ways. Sinners shall be converted to you. Real quick, Psalm 38. Psalm 38. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. For your arrows pierce me deeply and your hand presses me down. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I'm troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long for lions are full of inflammation. There is no soundness in my flesh. I'm feeble, severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you and my singing is not hidden from you. My heart pants, my strength fails me. As the light of my eyes, it also has gone before me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague and my relatives stand afar off. See David's heart, you get it? David's heart of repentance and brokenness and desire for God to, 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 to humble him and to, 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 to work in him. Go back to Psalm. So David was, or back to Samuel, pardon me, David was repentant, and David was humble, and David was broken, and God doesn't, listen, God doesn't look for perfection. God looks for humility. Humility will take you a long way in the kingdom. Again, Psalm 51, we just read it, for you do not desire, or actually in Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17, we didn't get to that, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are what, saints? A broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. See, brokenness leads to humbleness, and humbleness leads to dependency. Two traits that are very attractive to God, humility and brokenness. James 4, 6, he resists the proud but gives grace to, anybody know? the humble. You know, that's Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Isaiah 57, 15. 
But thus says the high and lofty one, one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. David knew something very theological way back then. David knew that positionally we are right with God. And you can positively confess you are righteous with God because of Jesus. Because positionally, we are in Christ, and the blood of Christ covers us. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ. If any man sins, John tells us, 1 John 2, 1. If any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 2 Corinthians five twenty one. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, Jesus died on a hill called Calvary. And when he died, our sins were put on his account. And positionally now, we are right with God. That's why David could say, I have kept your law. I've kept your word. Lord, I, my hands are clean before you. Because he understood, positionally, he was clean. Look at verse 29. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. I think of Psalm 27. Turn there real quick. I'm going to speed up. I'm going to speed up. I really am. Psalm 27. Look at Psalm 27. Look at Psalm 27. Verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Love that, love that verse. Notice it says, it doesn't say the Lord provides light or the Lord provides strength. It says the Lord is light and the Lord is my strength. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Listen, this word light, is used 272 times in the Bible. 272 times in the Bible, this word light is used. Genesis 1, 3, God said, let there be light. John 1, 4 through 9. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. 1 John 5. It says God is light and in him, in him there's no darkness at all. Psalm 36, 9, in your light we see light. Great verse. In your light we see light. Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. Ephesians 5, 8 tells us. We're to walk as children of light. Jesus said, let your light shine before men, that men may see your good works and glorify God, which is in heaven. Saints, we're called to be light. We are called to be light in a dark world. And I don't know, just when you think things are as dark as they can possibly get, it seems to get just one degree darker in this country. And we need to be light. Not be a part of the darkness. That's all I'm going to say about that, all right? All right? 
Okay, look at uh, verse 31. Light, you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall lighten my darkness, for by you I can run against the troop. But my God, by, by my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect, verse 31. The word of the Lord is proven or pure or tried and dependable. He is a shield to all who trust in him. For who is God except the Lord? I have my margin, the only God. And who is a rock except our God? God is my strength and my power, and he makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on my high places. He teaches my hand to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, your gentleness has made me great and you enlarged my path under me so my feet did not slip. As for God, verse 31 tells us his way is perfect. We don't always lay hold of that, do we? Keep in mind, David wrote this 20, after 20 years of hard ministry, 20 years of running and hiding from Saul, 20 years of his Life out the window, David would say, I lost my wife, I lost my son, I lost my daughter, I lost my mentor, Samuel. I had a hard life, but God's ways are perfect. David says his ways are perfect. He's talking about a 20-year trial, not a 20-minute trial, a 20-year trial David's talking about. You know, I've seen people go through difficult trials, and after one year, they're bitter, and they're angry, and they're hard-hearted, and they're backslidden. And they can't say, and they won't say, and they don't understand that God's ways are perfect. After 20 minutes, David's been going through a trial for 20 years. Are you hearing me? And he says God's ways are perfect. We have a hard time with that concept. We see the problems in the world, problems in the country. We ask God why. We are why people. You can write that down. We are why people, aren't we? God, why do you allow this? God, why do you put me through this? Lord, why is this hurting? Why do I feel disappointed? God, why is there so much evil in the world? Why do people, uh, evil people prosper and Christians suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why, why? All of God's ways are perfect. That means that the way God brings about his will is the best way for his will to be brought about. The way God brings about his will is the best way for God's will to be brought about. That's what all his ways are perfect means. I got to read you. I've got to read you this. This was like one of the fast. I didn't never knew this until today. I heard this story told by Elizabeth Elliot. Perhaps many of you know who she is. Once a year, she tells a story, once a year, the northern whale shepherds would submerge the sheep in an antiseptic bath. If the sheep don't go through the antiseptic bath, they'll be eaten alive by parasites and insects. The sheep have to be held under by the shepherd in a traumatic event. They struggle to climb out, and the sheepdog snarls and snaps at their faces to force them back under. 
when they tried to climb up, the shepherd would catch them and hold their ears and their eyes and their nose under for a few seconds. As the shepherd, their Lord, was pushing their head under, drowning them as far as they could tell, their panic-filled eyes and the shepherd could easily see what they were thinking. We would say, God, what are you doing? Why are you drowning me? Think. The shepherd has to do that to the sheep or else they die. And there's no way the shepherd can give them an explanation to comfort them. So they either die or they trust the shepherd without receiving an explanation. That's because the gap of intelligence between the shepherd and the sheep is infinite. The gap between our understanding God's ways. Are you going with me? Our understanding God's way. You can't understand God's ways. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How can you know them? And there are times in our lives that we can't figure out the explanation. Can't figure out, God, why are you allowing this? Why are you doing this? But listen, you either die or you trust the shepherd. No matter what you're going through, you can always trust the shepherd. Am I right about it? We know God has a plan and a purpose, and we know. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. I will wait. We know God has a plan. We know God has a purpose. And we know that God does all things for our good and his glory. Our good and his glory. God will work all things together for good. Love that. Look at verse 32. For who is God except the Lord? In other words, there are no other gods like our God. There is no God like Jehovah God. There are other gods with other names and people worship them, but they're not like our God. There's no God like our God. Amen. Who is a rock except our God. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. You've been with us to Israel. We go to En Gedi. En Gedi is the place where David uh, was running from Saul and, you know, Saul stopped to relieve himself in the caves of En Gedi. When we go to Israel, we stop there all the time. In the caves of En Gedi, and David cuts the hem of his garment, remember, proving that he wasn't trying to kill Saul. En Gedi, uh, when we get there, we always stop kind of up the path, and we stop, and we have a Bible study. And there's these, what they call them, they call them ibex, or mountain goats. And they always come up, every time, it's amazing. Every time we stop there, there's always like a mountain goat sitting in the back of the, the group. So there might be 30 of us. And it's, they, it's almost like they sit for Bible study. It's really strange. Every single time. I, I've got a picture I couldn't find. Out. I was going to try to show it to you. It seems like, oh, well, that's, that's a picture, not my picture. But that's what they look like. And they lay down. Right, Pastor Jim, remember? They lay down right near our group. And we have Bible study, and they listen, it seems. But you can see these ibex, they have, they move across the rocks with ease. They, 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 they jump, and they move, and they, 
they, they, they, they walk across the high places easily and swiftly on the rocks and the cliffs. It's unbelievable. And David says, whatever your high place, God will allow you to walk easily. Listen, everybody's high place is different. Your high place is different than mine. But all high places are lonely. Just like desert experiences. All high places are lonely. Everybody has times when they feel like, where is God? Everybody finds themselves in times when we're afraid. Everybody's high place is different and lonely and can't be shared with others and shouldn't be shared with others. Abraham and Isaac told the servants, y'all stay here. We're going to go up on Mount Moriah and we'll come back. But they couldn't go with him. And there are places that you will have to go as you pray, God, make me a holy man, make me a holy woman. Lord, I want to be all that you want me to be. And, and God says, okay, come up here or go out there. And it's dry and barren and lonely. Ain't nobody out there. And, or it's high and can't breathe. And nobody's up there. And you're by yourself and you're alone with God. And that's where God's going to do what God has to do. And nobody likes it. Don't get me wrong. I don't like the high place. Who does? I don't like the desert. Who does? Nobody does. But that's where God does his best work. And that's when you come down. Kind of glowing. People can't go with you there. People can't share that experience. And, you know, we live in this culture where we like to like and share everything. You get that on the way home, okay? You like to like and share everything. Like and share. Like and share. You can't share this. You can't share your high place. You shouldn't. Your gentleness. Oh, yeah, this struck me. Look at, look at verse 36. Your gentleness has made me great. Your gentleness has made me great. You know, we don't think of someone being made great by gentleness, do we? It's really easy to underestimate the power of gentleness because we want dunamis. We want the power of God. For David, it wasn't only about the power. It was also about God's mercy and grace. This also was a source of strength for David. David says, I've learned that God is gentle, and that made me great. Look at verse 37. All right, let's read verse 37 through 51, and then we'll just come in, all right? And then you guys will go home and devo, devotion, the rest of it, all right? Because I did my part. <laughs> I gave y'all something to go work with, okay? Look at verse 37. You enlarged my path under me, so my feet did not slip. I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. And I have destroyed them and wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You've subdued under me those who rose against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trod them like dirt in the streets, and I spread them out you have also delivered me from the strivings of my people. You have kept me as the head of the nations. 
talking about David ruling other nations at the time. A people I have not known shall serve me. The foreigners submit to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. The foreigners fade away and come frightened from their hideouts. The Lord, verse 7, 47, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted. The rock of my salvation, it is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, verse 50, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. He is a tower of salvation to his king and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever more. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.